The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, November 20th, 2019, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, The Flash. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, Central City. And Jeffrey Aruz. Hey, Central City. Welcome back. Let's jump into our recap of Season 6, Episode 6, which was titled License to Elongate and aired November 19th, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Ralph follows up on a lead regarding Sue Dearborn, who he's been searching for since the past summer in Midway City. Barry, who plans to make Ralph his replacement following the crisis, asks to come along if only to make sure he gets back in time for the handoff ceremony. But while infiltrating a criminal gala, Barry tips their hand and arouses the suspicions of the host, Remington Meister, who has allied himself with an escaped ultraviolet. While searching for Dearborn, Barry accidentally gets himself and Ralph caught and left to die. Ralph teaches Barry that both their secret and civilian identities are important, and they manage to escape, defeat ultraviolet, and foil Meister's auction of a weapons satellite, though they don't find Sue Dearborn. Later, Barry holds a press conference to officially recognize Elongated Man as one of Central City's protectors, only to be surprised when Joe and Ralph give him, Barry, an award. Meanwhile, Nash asks Allegra for help, requiring her UV-emitting ability to illuminate a wall filled with Eternium, which will destroy the Earth if struck, so he can expose the Monitor as a fraud. She hesitates, fearing she'll turn out like her cousin, but Nash reassures her that won't happen unless she chooses it, so she does help him. Elsewhere, Cecile helps Chester get his life back now that his powers have stabilized, but it turns out Cecile needs some help herself. And after Ralph tells Iris about Ultraviolet and her mysterious benefactors, he's attacked by blood work. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 6, Episode 6. The episode was viewed by 1.3 million total viewers and had a 0.5 in the demo. Both are up a bit from the last episode. And we should mention this episode was directed by Flash star Daniel Panabaker, who plays Caitlin in Killer Frost. It's her second time directing the show. So, let's find out what everyone's initial reaction to the episode was. Millie, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was a fun episode. I don't know if I was really into the plot and everything, but I think it was a good kind of lighthearted take, the whole kind of James Bond um, spin on Barry and Ralph's mission was fun. Um, but I think for me, it's, it's we're, what, two or so episodes to Crisis, and the next person on Barry's list to help, quote-unquote, fix or get ready is Ralph, and we're still kind of missing something. Like, he still hasn't had that moment with Iris. And so I'm just kind of feel like it It was fun, but um, I'm not going to use a certain word, but it was okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff, what was your initial reaction? <laughs> oh, Millie. I got your number, though. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at uh, Millie. 
I'll explain that later. Uh, she was about to drop the F-bomb, Professor. Um, okay, I, I did think it was a fun episode, so I'll use that F-word. Um, there was a lot that I did like in the episode. Some storylines really worked and clicked for me. Uh, Chester is just fantastic. But um, the 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 whole storyline, and I won't go too into too much detail because... Uh, um, this could be a question that you asked me. Um, the whole Barry with the um, he needs to teach people stuff thing is not really clicking for me. And, and I feel like it's almost kind of dumb. Um, I feel like these people are well prepared and, and Barry doesn't need to do this. Um, his whole farewell tour, as I'll call it, isn't really working for me. So that was a negative in the episode, and uh, for about two-thirds of the episode, I really didn't like Barry Allen, and I typically like Barry Allen, but I, I found him really annoying, and I hate when people go into another person's arena, and they try to act like they're the boss in the situation, and that's what Barry was doing, and it just bugged the living fuck out of me. Well, you're both wrong, and I'm going to explain why. This was a delightful, hilarious episode, becoming at exactly the right time, because the next two episodes are going to be an extreme downer. Then we've got the crisis coming. This was their last chance to inject some levity, and they did a fantastic job of it. And Jeff, to criticize Barry for coming in and doing that, that was the humor of the situation. He's the guy who's used to being in charge. Everyone does it his way. When he found himself on Ralph's terms, he had to learn to do it Ralph's way, and that was where the humor came from. But before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. 
Thanks, Nouncer. Okay, before we get into our main story, Chester, who uh, has been quietly cooking away, apparently in the basement of Star Labs for the past couple of months, wakes up. And he's like a kid in a candy store, only to be robbed short when Frost walks in and catches him in the act. Uh, we've met Chester before, um, but, you know, he'd sort of been almost forgotten. Uh, you know, it, it, honestly, I'd forgotten he was down in the basement until he showed up in the uh, uh, the previously on the Flash recap uh, to remind us that he was down there. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about the reintroduction of Chester? Well, I did not forget about Chester because I enjoyed Chester the first time and, and the little bits that we saw afterwards. And I was really excited when once we saw him that he was, I guess, you know, uh, what was it, the oven timer dinged and he was fully cooked. I, I thought his reaction to being in Star Labs was everything. Uh, you know, even he was trying to log in and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it worked for me. The and And even Killer Frost, like... Catching him and being like, oh, shit, it was my day to freaking watch him and I screw up. I thought everything about it was really, really fantastic. As I mentioned, you know, Danielle Panabaker did direct this one, so there wasn't a lot of Killer Frost. But the few moments she had, uh, she gave herself a lot of uh, fun stuff to play. Um, so, uh, we'll leave Chester alone for the moment and get to the main plot because our main, main plot's basically a buddy comedy. Ralph and Barry go off to look for the missing Sue Dearborn. Uh, usually, as I mentioned, Barry is the leader of the team. It's Team Flash after all, but we, we quickly realize is that Ralph is in his element here and Barry is out of his element. Millie, what'd you think about the contrast between suave Ralph and Dweeby Barry at the party? I enjoyed the contrast because Ralph, I feel like it, is out of his a little bit out of his element when he is on on team flash becoming as being like the latecomer and we haven't seen kind of clumsy barry since season one um so it was fun to see that the comedic effort behind it i suppose um yeah i guess i'll leave it at that (laughs) We'll talk more about the uh, the comedy of it uh, in a bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, Grant Gustin hasn't had a lot of lighter moments to play uh, in this season, so I think you know uh, this was sort of throwing him uh, you know a chance to uh, to exercise his comedic chops because I don't get the feeling looking at the previews uh, for the next couple of episodes or Crisis that uh, it's going to be a, a yuck fest for uh, for Grant. Uh, but let's go back to our B plots, uh, Nash. Uh, Wells meets Allegra. Earlier, Nash had told the team he's convinced there's a portal hidden below Central City, but getting at it will be tricky. He needs to identify and remove the Eternium to prevent an explosion, and Allegra's UV light will be just the ticket. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about uh, the early dynamic between Nash and Allegra? I liked their dynamic a lot. It was very, um, it was like an an antagonistic type of uh, dynamic, uh, you know, they clearly, it, it appeared as if they rubbed each other the wrong way, uh, and, and it worked for me. Um, yeah, uh, I did find his overly chatty nature with her, um, it, that bugged me, just because I'm like, why are you dropping all of this intel to this stranger, and uh, I'm like... The rest of the team that you're supposedly there helping is going to be hella mad about everything that you are, you know, filling this young woman in on. Yeah, but remember, Nash doesn't see himself as part of the team. Uh, you know, true. Nash is is an is an independent contractor. He may be working with them on this little project, but you know, he's not part of the team. He doesn't. I think the the Nash that we're seeing is like 
you know, very much the individualist. He, he mocked the idea of the Council of Wells. Uh, I don't think he's he's a real team player. Uh, and what we've seen, so for him, he's just, you know, basically, you know, he doesn't care if he outs Barry uh, or, you know, mentions the multiverse or, or indeed it mentions the fact that entire universes are being wiped out. So, uh, you know, he, he's dropping a lot of knowledge bombs on poor Allegra. And I can agree um, with you with all of that, except for Barry being the Flash. Like, I would have been fine with him dropping intel about the multiverse and that kind of stuff. Once he opened his mouth and he was like, and he told a stranger, Barry Allen is the Flash, I was like, what are they doing with this character? Like, I I didn't care for that. And this is a show where everybody knows that Barry is the Flash, but it, it... for some reason, it really bugged me that Nash told Allegra, a character that we enjoy, or at least I enjoy, um, and I am in, I am enjoying seeing her working at the Citizen, but um, I always hate it when a character is kind of robbed of their own secret, and, and that was Barry's secret to tell, and, and in part Iris's secret to tell as well, because they're married, and, and I do see them as, you know, a, a solid entity, and um, that, yeah, that bugged me for some reason, when Nash just dropped it very casually to Allegra. Yeah, but it was clearly played for laughs. It was just, you know, him dropping that into there. I mean, it, it was obviously intended, you know, as a humorous aside, you know, uh, so that people would have the reaction, oh, my God, I can't believe he dropped that huge bit of information. But to Nash, it was just like, no, and, and also the sky is blue and water is wet. Um, so I think that was kind of the point of him doing that, you know. And also, he's not from this earth, so, you know, he, he doesn't really care uh, about that. He has uh, his mission, and, and as I say, uh, I don't get the sense that he's really a team player. Uh, although it is kind of interesting because, you know, while they were down, uh, you know, uh, looking for the uh, uh, the area uh, in the tunnel, um, you know, uh, Allegra pushes back because she finds out that Nash wants to track down whoever this monitor figure is and kill him. And she really pushes back uh, kind of strongly against the idea of being made into a weapon. Uh, uh, leading, so she storms off, then she comes back because she's gotten lost. Uh, and Nash psychoanalyzes her pretty perceptively. Let's not talk about their final scene yet. But Millie, what did you think about the two of them here? So after uh, Allegra has stormed off, she's come back, she hasn't yet reconciled, but you have Nash analyzing her, uh, you know, in a, in a surprisingly perceptive way. I think it adds more to Nash's character because we, we're talking about how he's very doesn't give a care about anything. He's doing his own thing. So I, I like how we see how, how perceptive, and I think that shows that he's very on it. Um, he's always observing kind of what's going on. I think that plays into um, what his role is, because I think we discussed he's jumping through the multiverse on something probably related to the monitor. Um, so I think that kind of adds to his character. And I like that because it does add to the, the relationship. At first I was a little surprised that this is the pairing for this call it C storyline um because these are two relatively new characters that we've been in- introduced to um but i think it, it really makes it a compelling thing to watch and i was actually like kind of liked what i was seeing on the screen yeah i was going to talk uh, more about their relationship towards the end but let's uh let's deal with it now because uh you know uh towards the end of the episode uh, we do have, uh, you know, uh, a scene where uh, Allegra seems to remind Nash of someone. And Nash behaves in a very uh, uncharacteristic way towards her. He's always been very gruff. He's been very uh, abrasive towards essentially everyone he's met on this earth. But he seems to show a tenderness towards Allegra that we really haven't seen before. And that may, uh, you know, play into what we were just talking about. Because when I first saw, you know, his uh, his uh, earlier scene with Allegra, I just assumed that he was 
you know, analyzing her personality because he's a Wells and he's really smart. But later on, it did seem that that he has a relationship with her or with someone like her. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about that reveal at the end? And, and what do you think we're going to get from Allegra going forward? I found it really touching. I liked how Tom Cavanaugh played it because it did make me wonder, is Allegra his daughter you know, on his earth? Or did he have a daughter on his earth that maybe he lost or, or you know, uh, you know, maybe they don't have that great of a relationship or something. I don't know. But uh, it did uh, it did feel like uh, either he found her very familiar in a sense that, you know, she reminds him of someone or, you know, maybe she is, you know, the person that um, that, you know, that that her uh, doppelganger is uh, related to him, maybe on his Earth, which could be really interesting. Um, I, I feel like it added an additional layer to Nash, which I liked. And, and speaking of layers, uh, I feel like this storyline added so much to Allegra, and and she was already a really interesting character for me. But the fact that they gave her the, you know, I don't want to use my powers because I don't want to turn into, like, a supervillain like my sister storyline, it worked for me. And uh, it, it just made her, like, ever more impressive as a character. So the odd pairing of Allegra and Nash worked really well for me in this episode. And, uh, and this storyline in particular certainly has piqued my interest for not just what Nash is going to do in, in the coming episodes, pre-crisis and maybe even post-crisis, but Allegra as well, you know, pre-crisis and uh, post-crisis. Uh, before I throw it over to Millie, did you wish to critique her accent? Mm, well, I mean, what has already been said has been said. Uh, Millie, what do you think about Allegra? I, when, honestly, when we first saw her, I thought she was a meta of the week. I thought, you know, bringing her in to be the, uh, the intern was interesting, but I really didn't think much was going to play out of it. But it seems that, you know, this, whatever this relationship is, uh, with Nash could be more significant than I initially thought. What do you think about, uh, Allegra going forward? Definitely. I was... It was interesting to see that, oh, we thought we were going to be a of a week, and then she's going to be more kind of a mini Iris in training. And now we're adding this new layer of she has some kind of connection or creates some kind of feeling uh, for Nash. And so um, she's a very – they're adding a lot of dimension to her. So I, I liked her when we first met her, and I still like her, and I think there's a lot more to, to unveil. It will be interesting to see if uh, she officially becomes part of Team Flash, uh, mostly because Team Flash is getting a little on the larger side. But I like her, and I'd love to see her stick around and kind of wonder where that story goes. And then saying the whole lingering on the on the end with Nash, it really does pique my interest. And I really thought that, I don't know if it's maybe he knows something about her in the future or something like that. Maybe not on the way it's like he knows the doppelganger or he knows something about her in particular. It was an interesting kind of connection, I think, only because... And I could definitely be just generalizing, but we do know that she has a, a Latina, Latinx background. And so I'm kind of, kind of figure out how that goes with what Nash's background. But it will be interesting to see this whole story unfold. Yeah, I wouldn't want her to be an actual you know, doppelganger of, of a lost daughter or something like that. But we don't really know much about where Nash uh, is from. 
uh, his Earth could be one of the Earths that's been destroyed, and maybe that's why he's going after the Monitor. And maybe he did have a daughter who he lost and, and sees her in Allegra. But I think it does give uh, Tom Cavanaugh something to play with. And, uh, you know, he's a very good actor, so you know, giving uh, Nash some depth that he's kind of lacked up until now. Uh, I think is uh, is promising going forward, although who knows what's going to happen uh, come crisis. Um, anyway, getting back to Chester, he's been declared legally dead, but fortunately Cecile's able to get that sorted. Uh, and she tries to sort out his love life, too. She offers to use her powers to read the emotions of the woman she's been crushing on. This leads to Cecile Renault de Bergerac. You see what I did there? Oh, that uh, Completely was screwing genius. things up for Chester. Uh, what were your thoughts on that scene and having Frost sitting in to provide commentary from the Book of Ralph, no less? Millie, let's start with you. What did you think about uh, Cecile's attempts to uh, help Chester with his love life? I liked it. I think that it, it allows us to get more into Cecile's you know, thinking at the moment because she did, has made this huge, huge career change. And so we get to see that reflected to how she's trying to help Chester. Um, and I like that. And you can see that at the end when... Um, She's like, oh, yeah, maybe hopefully this works out for you, but, you know, she's really hoping it works out for her. And then I love the commentary of uh, Killer Frost and how she's she's uh, guiding Chester with the uh, book of Ralph. Um, I, I think that was fun because I do think that of all the kind of the relationships, Killer Frost is really connected with Ralph thus far. So it's kind of fun to see that integrated um, with the newbie Chester. Uh, Jeff, I just wanted to play off something that uh, that Millie mentioned, because Cecile and Chester have a heart-to-heart after Chester confronts his fears, asks out Natalie, and is turned down. And Cecile realizes she's been dealing with a lot of fear on her own. She's given up a job of 20 years to set up as a meta-attorney. Uh, you know, She's feeling a sense of loss, a sense of fear towards the future. Uh, what do you think about the relationship between Chester and Cecile, as well as Cecile's revelation? It worked for me, 100%. I like their dynamic. Uh, They played off of each other really, really well. And I had a feeling that that's where the storyline was going to be going. Because Danielle Nicolette does a really good job of uh, emoting. And there was just a small reaction shot when Chester initially thanked her and was like, oh, you know, you got your own law practice and you're doing the damn thing and clients and whatnot. And uh, you could see on Cecile's face like, oh, thank you, but it's not really going that well. And and then seeing that this storyline like turned into um, a Cecile storyline where, you know, she's going through doubts and um and fear of the unknown was really well played and uh, i liked seeing this uh you know we always talk about like grown-up storylines on cw shows and she is technically the grown-up on the show but it was great to see a very adult storyline for cecile and to be quite honest it's a storyline or not a storyline but it's it's a topic that affects a lot of people you know not just you know uh, the adults on cw but i mean that could happen to anybody at any age you know when you're so focused on one thing and then things don't turn out that well and then, bam, you're left wondering, you know, am I re- making the right decision? You know, is this the right path that I'm supposed to be going on? And and, and that sort of thing. And I, I thought it was um, eloquently played by Danielle Nicolette. I thought she did a really great job with it. Uh, a fun little fact. Uh, typically, scenes that, um, you know, have people, like, talking 
on walkie-talkies or on the telephone or that sort of thing or, or on earpieces and that that kind of thing they're typically filmed separately so it's like you film one side of the conversation and then you film the other side of the conversation in an interview that uh, danielle panabaker did i believe it was on tvline.com uh, she said that they actually filmed that uh, in real time so they were talking over, you know, whispering into Chester's ear, you know, at that moment. And the reactions were all, um, quote unquote, live. You know, they were done at the same time, which I thought was really unique and very interesting. And, and a decision that we made by the director, uh, Daniel Pennebaker. Yes, exactly. uh, You know, even if it's a little more expensive to shoot that way, you know, the, the assumption is that you'll get a better reaction because the two people can play off each other in a way that they can't when it's just, you know, an assistant director, uh, you know, muttering lines off camera. So I think that was a good call. Uh, also, it had possibly my favorite line of the episode. Well, I had a bunch of favorite lines, but one of my favorites was when uh, Cecile, met, you know, reveals her meta power and Chester goes, wow, that must have been a real conflict of interest as the DA. And there's this long pause because all of us were thinking that that Cecile was using her powers, you know, in a completely unfair way in the courtroom. But for him to say it, and, and Cecile has just that little reaction of, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, I thought that was uh, a nice, uh, nice little shout out from the uh, the writers to uh, to uh, to let people know that, yeah, we saw that, too. That and also Chester confusing being an empath and being a hypnotist. Oh, God, that was so – when he was saying, look, look at my eyes, honey, is he, is he trying to seduce her? What is that? Make sure my eyes make no, no, honey. <laughs> God, it was so good. Those two were really good. Honestly, they had such great chemistry. I wonder whether they'd worked together before. I, I mean, they, they just really felt like two people who knew each other. I agree. Um, but Cecile plays well off just about everyone, so uh, so you know, kudos to her. Uh, back in the main plot, Ralph tries to get Barry to trust him and follow his lead, but Barry tries to do things his way, setting off a meta-suppression system and getting them both captured. This leads to a scene that's such a James Bond pastiche that Ralph even refers to it as such. Uh, while they're tied up, Ralph tells Barry that he, Barry Allen, matters just as much as The Flash before they manage to break out. Uh, Millie, what did you think about that scene and our batting of the week, Remington Meister? I like the scene that Barry and Ralph had on um, their, their heart to heart. I think it, it gets into the, I guess, explanation of why he is, you know, tagging along with Ralph, the whole like, kind of revelation. But I think it is important. Like, not only are we going to be losing the Flash, but we're we'll also be losing, you know, quote unquote, losing Barry in, in the crisis, or so we think. And so um, I think it's good that we get to see Barry kind of come to that, because I think right now he's kind of on, oh, I got to make sure that, everything Team Flash is covered. And it's kind of like, you know, stop and take care of yourself before you take care of your superhero counterpart. Um, so I kind of like that. And it was nice to see uh, a more emotional side because I feel like a lot of times with Ralph, it's always kind of the funner stuff. Um, and then with the the villain of the week, so I was just looking at his name, it just reminds me of the, uh, isn't it like a type of gun or something like that? Um, well, very, but, uh, very Bondian names. Like they had um, January Galore. And, uh, you know, the and Remington Meister, these are these are such Bondian names. The whole thing was was a pastiche. Correct. But I also think it could have been a callback to Remington Steel, which uh, Pierce Brosnan uh, starred in. No, was it? Yeah. Pierce Brosnan was Remington Steel. Yes. Which yes. A series oh, that he was thought. on. Yeah. A series that he was on. And he played a, a James Bond for a certain amount of years. Um, so I thought it was a nice maybe little callback to Pierce Brosnan as well. 
Um, well, you guys did a lot better than I did because I just thought of the gun company. <laughs> but I've never seen James Bond. You so are American after all. <laughs> You've never seen a James Bond movie? I have not. No, I tried the really? like 007 Spectre one, but I fell asleep. No, um, you shouldn't watch Spectre. That's like the worst choice. Yeah, Spectre's to... not a great choice. If you're going to watch a um, Daniel Craig one, you either start off with Casino Royale or, and now the name ex- escapes me, the one right Guy afterwards. Falls? Skyfall, yes, Skyfall. Oh my God, I don't know how I forgot that name. I love Skyfall. It's yeah, such a, a lot good of the movie. humor of of that scene would be lost if you if you hadn't watched the the James Bond movies. But going back and watching them now, they are quite problematic. Um, yeah, a lot of the older ones. Yeah, yeah. Skyfall um, is awesome, though. I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I liked uh, Rington Meister just because he's uh, he's Carlo Rossi, who's uh, you know a a well known Canadian actor who uh, he's one of those back guys that you see doing all of these roles, and you know kind of like uh, you know uh, my love for uh, Katie Sackhoff playing Amunet Black. I just love it when you get uh, you know the uh, the characters playing the baddie of the week and just you know chewing up the furniture, having such a grand old time of it. Uh, you know, I, so I liked him for that reason, even if he was such an obvious. Uh, you know, Bond pastiche. I'm surprised they didn't have him, you know, with a white cat in his lap. Um, uh, Ralph and Barry have to break up the meeting of the bad guys who naturally plan to destroy Central City because, well, I guess just because uh, that's the sort of thing you do when you're a Bond villain. Uh, but this does give Grant Gustin the chance to break things up by playing a drunk Alan Barry. By the way, we didn't mention when uh, Barry tried to do the, you know, Alan, Barry Allen. Alan Barry. Oh, hello. Nice to meet you, Alan Barry. Um, so it's been a pretty somber season uh, for Grant Gustin and The Flash so far. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to play things light when the season starts with, you know, your daughter has died and you've just found out, oh, by the way, you're going to die in a couple of months, too, and it's set in stone. Uh, so, Jeff, how'd you like his comic turn and the fact that he got to drop the Bond-like line, thanks for dropping in? You know what? I liked what they did with Barry and uh, the stuff that was supposed that I felt was supposed to be comedic really worked for me i didn't think maybe it's because you know i mean it's so many seasons into it i I just personally did not like when barry tried to take over ralph's case like i feel like uh, barry at this point in the game should uh understand that if someone else is in charge you know that he should you know, he, he's supposed to be, like, the number two person. Like, he's supposed to be the backup. And uh, him, like, immediately jumping into wanting to do superheroics and not allowing Ralph, who's a very capable PI, and he knows he's a very capable PI, do his PI stuff. That's the thing that really frustrated me and really annoyed me with Barry. But everything else that was, uh, that was um, you know, expressed throughout this storyline, all of the James Bond winks and nods, all of the humor that was because of the James Bond situation, as well as Barry's sort of fish-out-of-water uh, situation with uh, Ralph and, and him joining him on, on his PI adventure, did work for me. Um, seeing a quote-unquote drunk uh, Barry uh, was fantastic. Uh, you know, Price is Right rules. Um, what was the other oh, I one? I forgot about that line. That was so good. That one was good, and um, I love Mortal Kombat. <laughs> 
that was yes. amazing. There were a lot of really great moments for Grant Gustin. It was just the way that they treated the storyline in the beginning bugged me. I feel like they could have done it in a different way because I feel like Barry's just a little smarter than than how they wrote him um, in the beginning of the storyline. But I get that his arc in this episode, like he's trying to teach Ralph something when in fact Ralph teaches him something that Barry Allen matters and that kind of thing. So I, I I can sort of sit through some of the mess, or at least what I would consider to be the mess, um, you know, on this journey to a, a really great uh, teachable moment for Barry Allen that worked for me. I also think you might be forgetting the reason Barry went along on this trip wasn't to help Ralph out. It was to make sure that Ralph would be finished in time to get back for, you know, his big press conference the next day. So everything Barry was doing was designed to speed things up and get Ralph out of there. You know, they had that scene on the stairs where Barry was all, oh, I guess this didn't pan out because we should leave now. Uh, and Ralph's basically saying, no, you have to stick with it. You have to follow me. Uh, and, and again, I think part of it is, you know, Barry not, you know, uh, accepting that, you know, this mission of Ralph's is as important as what he wants to get done. Uh, and I think some of that does come out of, of Barry, you know, has been the leader for so long uh, that he just sort of, you know, expects other people to follow him. But I do think they did a good job of that. And, and as I say, it was just, it was nice to give Grant Gustin the chance to be funny because, uh, I don't think he's going to get that for the foreseeable future. Tis true. And um, I won't disagree with what you just said. Uh, and, and hearing that from, from you right now does give, uh, for me at least a little bit more context, exactly what Barry was doing. So, uh, and I think they point. were careful to put that in, in the middle, like to remind us of that. Cause otherwise, yeah, Barry comes off as just a complete asshole. But if you realize that he's just trying to get Ralph out of this situation into, you know, a different situation, I think it sort of explains what he was doing. Uh, a little more, especially the the racing around searching for Sue, uh, you know, uh, where they had the the outside shot of the building and you could see the flash uh, zipping around inside. Um, uh, I think that was, you know, his attempt to, you know, just speed things up. Uh, and also from his point of view, you know, he's going to be dying in, you know, three weeks. So, you know, it's not like he has a lot of time to waste at these parties. True. Amelia, uh, I wanted to ask you about a character that we saw. During the fight scene, we get several shots of brunette in a red dress in the audience. Uh, she tried to buy the weapon system for Barry invoked, as Jeff pointed out, the Price is Right rules. And while everyone else is running away, she stays to watch the fight, and we cut back to her several times. There has to be a reason for that. We met her earlier in the episode, so she's obviously not just some throwaway character. Um, so by the rules of the Arrowverse, if you meet them at the beginning and then they cut back to them later on in the episode, they're obviously significant. Any thoughts on what role she might be playing going forward? So my first thought when we kept seeing her, you know, occasionally, I thought that it had to be Sue. Um, yeah, I had that thought too, but I was thinking, no, he knows what Sue looks like, right? Does he? I didn't think he didn't know who she looked like. That's an interesting point because it, but yeah intriguing but they just i think they just cast the actress who's playing sue and this actress would have had to be around for a while so that's an interesting thought and they casted somebody and she's a brunette so they all kind of look the same to me um wow racist Um, but that, that was my well, first Well, no, thought. that's her getting it, her payback because there are certain people that would say a lot of Asian people look alike. So that's, I give you props. You can say that, Millie. Thank you. <laughs> and it, it, that is true. Um, so I, I, that's my immediate thought. I don't know because it is Ralph's storyline. I feel like it has to be Sue or somehow related to Sue. Maybe she's like, you know, 
Sue's sister or something, but um, I don't think it would be tied to any other storyline within, like, the Flash arcs this season. So I feel like that has to be, she's somehow related to all that. Yeah, and it would be sort of like, you know, the, the modern Arrowverse turn. In, in the comic book, Sue is really just, you know, I mean, she, she and, and uh, Ralph have one of the great love stories of, of the DC uh, comics, but, you know, she's, she's, you know, not a particularly special figure. I think it would be interesting if they took it, and she was sort of like this international woman of mystery. Uh, and that would explain, you know, why she didn't rat them out at the beginning. It would explain why she was trying to buy the weapon system to get it off the uh, market uh, and why she stayed to watch them. So I think that could be interesting. So what we might find is, you know, uh, even like this could be Sue, but like, you know, made up or disguised or something like that. Uh, but I would like there to be, you know, some payoff from that. Um, where do we go from here? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. So uh, Flash holds a press conference uh, the next morning to officially introduce Central City to its new protector, the Elongated Man. Uh, then after he races off, Ralph and Joe present Barry with the Medal of Honor for all the work he's done protecting the city. Which struck me as if I was one of the cops there, I would be thinking to myself, Wait a second, Joe. Like, you've been in the job for, what, two months, and you give your adopted son the highest award just because he's a CSI? Uh, so that struck me as a little odd. But it did also make obvious the theme that Ralph was dealing with. Barry Allen is just as important as The Flash. Uh, so I'll open this up to both of you. What did you guys think of that little twist, Barry getting this recognition as Barry Allen before he theoretically faces death as The Flash? That touched my heart a lot, and more than I, because I could see it sort of coming a little bit, especially with the whole, you know, well, you know, you're ready for what's going to happen and that kind of thing. I was like, oh, they're going to do something special. And then after the, the theme of, you know, Barry Allen is just as important as The Flash, and, and even, like, seeing Ralph kind of get choked up about that, uh, hit me in the feels, but then when it actually happened and, and he was given the award, I was like, it, it was just a beautiful moment, like, genuinely. I didn't really think of that, although maybe I did for like a half a second about like, you know, him giving an award to his, uh, you know, his adoptive son and uh, now son-in-law and that sort of thing. It's called nepotism, Captain West. Look it up. I know. But it was still a really nice moment, and, and it just, you know added to uh, Barry's lesson for the episode that, uh, you know, the Flash is important, but Barry Allen is important as well to Central City. Uh, Millie, what did you think of that scene? I thought it was touching that you can see the bond between Joe and Ralph and Barry, but for me, maybe it's me being trying to be too practical. I was a little confused because it was like, He's a CSI, and they called him Detective Barry Allen, and I was like, I didn't, I don't know, I, I don't know, I didn't think CSI's got that title, and I was just kind of, I feel like his job has been put so far in the background that I always forget he's a CSI, and like, he's done stuff, I guess, to help Central City, so it was really hard for me to, to rectify that, but I might just be nitpicking. My only problem with the entire scene was, and I know that I'm getting into comic book logic on a comic book show, but it's like, okay, so there's the press, they're snapping pictures, doing their thing, snapping pictures of the Flash, and then snapping pictures of Barry Allen. Could you imagine if they do on, like, the front page, you know, like a collage of, like, the Flash, you know, at the microphone, giving his speech, you know, and that kind of thing, and then there's right next to it a picture of Barry Allen? 
getting his award. I'm like, are people not going to recognize the jawline and the lips and the nose and the eyes and, and all that kind of stuff? So that's Well, and the height standing in the same location. Yes. Well, he's exactly the same height. That's odd. There you go. So it's the same build and that kind of thing. So that was the one thing that I kind of thought about at that moment. I don't think they're going to go there at all. But it was something that I just thought of, and I was like, if this were not a comic book show, this would be the way that if someone has a secret identity, they get outed because the images will be right next to each other on, uh, you know, the front page of, um, you know, the the Central City uh, Chronicle, Gazette, Citizen, etc. Well, I'm sure the Citizen would kill the, the, the picture, but uh, the other places might run it. Um, one thing that struck me, and it sort of came out of, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, uh, Ralph's argument that, you know, uh, you know, Barry Allen is as important as the Flash, which is something they brought out. We know the Flash disappears. We know the Flash has to die. Does that mean Barry Allen has to die? Very interesting. Because if Barry were to lose his powers, the Flash would disappear. True. I feel like if Barry loses his powers, isn't this a story we've already had? But if he if unfortunately, he, <laughs> that's the problem is they've already done that story. Yeah, so he'll get his powers back. He'll like you know I don't know he'll dive into the Speed Force and you know pull his powers back out of that Speed Force with his like bare teeth or something. So um, yeah. But Nora from the future did say that Barry wasn't alive or i guess that was when he was vanishing not when he was dead so i feel like it, it's all or nothing just and then i guess they help and maybe that's how they'll explain who the maybe that's when they're like oh yeah barry Allen was the flash and now he's dead and that's how central city learns i don't know wow. yeah i still want him to go to the far future like the the three thousands uh, you know, get a whole Legion of Superheroes things going. Uh, I think that would be tremendous fun, but I also think it would be really expensive to shoot. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen, but I still I'm pulling for it. Um, uh, before we get uh, to uh, to uh, uh, or anything else in MVP section, I just wanted to present one thing uh, that I thought about uh, this episode as I was watching it, which I think uh, can explain how the whole thing happened. The the movie pastiche, the self awareness, the jokes, the uh, the characters acting in a certain way. Here's my theory. They're all in well, a coma. all this while all the scripts were being written for Crisis on Infinite Earth. The um, the Flash team goes out for lunch. They leave the door unlocked. The Legends of Tomorrow team notices the door is unlocked. They sneak in. They write the entire script and then sneak away again. Because this felt like a Legends of Tomorrow script. And I mean that as a compliment. This this had the humor of Legends of Tomorrow. It had the self-awareness of Legends of Tomorrow. It, it really felt like an episode of Legends uh, in the Flash's time slot. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, now that I think um, about it, because they do, and because we this would be a Legends, Legends episode. For so long, and the, the movie pastiches and stuff like that, it just felt so, you know, and it, I think that's one of the reasons I like it so much is because it's been so long since we've had any Legends. I think I'm jonesing for that uh, that wacky, campy uh, approach to, uh, to superhero storytelling. I don't disagree with uh, that. Finally, at the end of the episode, Ramsey Rosso shows up to surprise Ralph and takes him prisoner. Uh, well, I assume takes him prisoner. Might have just shoved him off the roof. Uh, given the light tone of the episode, uh, did the final t- scene take you by surprise at all, Millie? Oh, yes. <laughs> I might have yelled. Um, I was like, holy crap. Uh, we have this whole episode of Ralph, and then he's off the roof. Uh, I thought and then that he was gets interesting. Killed. 
No, that's um, not me hoping it. But but no, you know, you know, he gets thrown off a roof, and I'm like, okay, happy Ralph, and now he dies. <laughs> well, he's indestructible. Actually... We we tend to forget his indestructibility. I was, like, I was like, he probably parachuted himself or something like that since he's a elongated man. Um, but it still was a little shocking to see. I don't. I'm curious what Dr. Ramsey's move is, like why he needs Ralph. I'm like, because when he first showed up, I'm like, oh, he's going to just like take his blood. Um, but then he didn't. So I was, I was interested to see how that's going to go. Um, maybe we'll get that next or we'll wait to after crisis to hear about that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, like, we have to remember that Crisis is only two weeks away, and Crisis, whatever happens, is obviously going to have a huge impact on everything we expect about the show going forward. Um, so it's uh, it's tough to speculate. Um, I don't even know if Ralph has blood, but uh, he also might be, you know, trapping Ralph in order to get Barry or something like that. Uh, I know the next episode's called The Last Temptation of Barry Allen, uh, which is kind of interesting, you know, given the fact that, you know, Barry and uh, Bloodwork have had that, you know, uh, that exchange about, you know, fighting for life versus Barry's acceptance of it. Uh, and as I've said, I, I still think, you know, we're, we're building up to uh, an Iris explosion uh, when she realizes or when she reveals that, you know, she's not as cool with this as Barry seems to be. But uh, we only have two weeks before the uh, crisis. We'll see what happens. So before we go on to the MVP section, was there anything else anyone wanted to mention? Well, we also well, it is uh, Last Temptation of Barry Allen, Part One and Part Two. They are yeah, treating... that's true. It's a, it's a two parter too, which is yeah. Uh, yeah. They're treating the next two episodes as the mid season finale. Uh, they're treating Crisis as kind of its own thing, even though it, it clearly will be affecting all of the shows. But uh, the main arcs of whatever they're trying to accomplish in the first half of the season will be getting wrapped up on all of these shows uh, within the next two weeks. So um, so from what we know, uh, Dr. Ramsey is just like the first uh, half of the season's uh, villain. So they're going to have to figure out a way to get rid of him. Uh, I hope Ralph is okay. It's funny how uh, the Danielle uh, Panabaker episode... Uh, included just a teeny tiny scene with Iris. Uh, speculation about that can abound if you want on the internet. Uh, I'm sure it already has started. Um, and uh, yeah, Ramsey is looking gross AF is all that I can say. Um, they even gave him hideous squelching sound effects. Yes, he's disgusting. And uh, I'm kind of here for it just because... He's a man with nothing to lose, and that's the kind of villain that's really scary. I think it's it's interesting, too, because he's basically saying that, you know, eternal life, but at what price? If you become a, a hideous monster, uh, is the eternal life worth it? Which is, you know, kind of a restating of, uh, of the Dracula themes. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think they'll they'll be wrapping uh, the, the blood work in these two episodes to clear the... Uh, I can't imagine blood work being a season-long big bad or, or even lasting much longer uh, than Crisis. But with Crisis coming, I think they sort of have to clear this stuff away because whatever happens in Crisis, we assume, is going to rewrite everything. Um, uh, you know, to what extent it actually happens, we don't know, but you know, there is that expectation. Um, Millie, any thoughts uh, on uh, where we're going from here over the next couple of episodes before Crisis? Yeah, I was just thinking with with Bloodlook's blood work storyline, I think that is so tied to or they've paralleled it so well to 
Barry's journey getting ready for crisis that it would make sense that it wraps up so i think that the end of that will then bring barry at the emotional mental state that he's ready to face his quote-unquote death in crisis so and i'm I'm kind of concerned that it might feel rushed because we do only have two episodes but i do see the blood work storyline wrapping up before crisis on that and then i know jeffrey hinted at it but i am sad that we didn't get a lot of Iris, I feel like we've been a little light on Iris this whole season, so I wonder if if we are just kind of just building up that that pressure in the pot for her to finally blow up. Um, so I'm hoping that the next two, part one and part two of the the upcoming episodes, will give us a lot more Iris because I kind of miss her. Yeah, and and I mean, if the episode's called, you know, the Last Temptation of Barry Allen, like Iris obviously has to be a big part of that. You know, she's she's such part of his life and has been for so long that I can't see any sort of you know, uh, temptation uh, scenario that does not involve uh, Iris playing a big role. And and certainly it would be nice to uh, to see Cat Candace Patton get that. Okay, it's time for the MVP. State which character impressed you the most throughout the episode and why. Once a character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie, who is your MVP and why? I have to go with Cecile as my MVP for this week. Um, I was super pleasantly surprised about how great of a chemistry had with Chester, and I like that we got to see her internal conflict of making this big career move and just the nooses that the actress plays of her you can just see it um and as jeffrey mentioned she has great chemistry with everyone so it was a f- although we didn't get a lot of her it was delightful when she was on the scene jeff who is your mvp and why uh, as much as i want to give it to one character i have to go with the one uh, that uh that really affected my heart in in this episode he, he touched me uh, i'm gonna give it to ralph I thought Ralph was really, really good throughout the entire episode. It's so great to see how far he's come, like, since we were first introduced to him. And and it's basically night and day now. Uh, He's grown tremendously as a a character. There's been an immense amount of character development. And uh, we even saw a little bit of of that in this episode, seeing him in his element, seeing how um, affected he is by... Uh, Barry's upcoming, uh, let's call it sacrifice, and uh, and uh, yeah, like he was involved with a couple of the moments that really hit the heartstrings for me uh, when um, you know he he gave that lesson to Barry, and then at the end when he was involved with um, the surprise that Barry got uh, at uh, the CCPD. So I'll give it to Ralph. Well, I'm going to take the coward's way out and take the titular character for the second time on the. Uh... Uh, Arrowverse podcast this week. Um, I uh, and again, uh, I think part of it was that you know we got some character development from Barry. You know, acknowledging that you know when he's in Ralph's world, he has to follow Ralph's or he should follow Ralph's rules. But mainly because Grant Gustin was just having fun, uh, and it wasn't just in the drunk scene. It was earlier, you know, when he was you know eating the hors d'oeuvre and, and couldn't stand it when he introduced him, tried to introduce himself as Alan Barry Allen and couldn't get the last one in. Alan Barry, oh well, hello, Alan. Um, you know, uh, just saying everything wrong. Uh, you know, uh, you know, just uh, you know, he was a fish out of water. He's he's accustomed to being the fastest man alive. He's accustomed to you know fighting metas. And as Ralph said to him, these aren't metas. These are you know just ordinary criminals. And you know you're in a different world. You should follow my lead. And I think Barry realized that. And also Barry did get that incredibly touching uh, you know uh, nepotism 
uh, inspired gift uh, from Joe uh, to to let him know that you know for everything that he's done as uh, as the Flash, what he's done as Barry Allen matters too, and and so I think that was really quite touching. Okay, it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Uh, I will go first in a futile attempt to shame you both. This is going in the Flash Museum. This was a hilarious, delightful episode that uh, I started chuckling five minutes into it, and I didn't stop all the way through, except when I was crying. Uh, because it it managed to be uh, you know emotionally touching and really really funny as well and uh, so I I this is absolutely an episode that I will watch again and again. Millie, what is your rating? No pressure. Oh wow, <laughs> I feel all the pressure. Um, I do have to say that you your guys's interpretation and enlightenment on the James Bond esque parts of the episode has made me reevaluate how I see it. So I will bump it up to a solid eight point zero lightning bolts. It's funny because I hadn't even thought about the possibility that someone wouldn't get the James Bond references. But you're right. If you if you don't have that shared, um, you know, uh, experience, then all those jokes would fall completely on deaf ears. Yeah, and you're making me just feel very out of po- touch with pop culture too. Um, but no, you're overall, just young. <laughs> you are on a pop culture podcast, so you should be shamed. I do. I'll hang my head in shame. Um, but it, it was fun, and it, I do get the humor in it. Um, I guess for me, I was just expecting more movement to Crisis, and the theory that was you know thrown out earlier, oh, it, it was by Legends writers, I do think that kind of took it out of the flow of the season, but it was a fun time, and I probably will go rewatch it again to try to catch all the references now. I was joking about the, the Legends writers sneaking in and, and rewriting the episode. but That was just, not an actual theory, Millie. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what is your rating? Okay, so I I know that I kind of poo-pooed it a little bit. Uh, I was still going to, going to give it an eight and a half, but uh, after chatting about it and the pressure, professor... Pressure, pressure, pressure. No, I'm not going as high as you. But I will give it an 8.75. Um, so it... it I after you sort of explained a little bit more and, and I can go back and and see exactly what Barry was trying to do my annoyance with him um has disappeared I still don't like the concept that the writers are trying to do with his farewell tour where it seems like he has to like prepare everyone individually so that and that's what this episode was set up to be so that does still bug me but um oh fuck it I'll give it a 9 um, because everything else was really good outside of that sort of thing bothering me. Uh, the Chester Cecile stuff was really good. The Nash and Allegra stuff was really good as well. Um, I do think, didn't they actually use some of the James Bond music? Or was it something that sounded really... It sounded very similar, but yeah. I, I, I'm sure it wasn't the actual James Bond theme. Okay, because they did use it in the promo, which I was like, I don't think that was cheap. Um at all uh so there was that but um the references were really good uh i actually hope we see remington meister again for some reason um you know much like uh um black he was uh, ridiculously over the top and it it worked for me so whether we see um I was about to call her Pussy Galore. What was her name again? January Galore. January Galore, as if that's any di- different. But um, whether we see Yeah, you know, January... I would argue it is kind of different. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Uh, 
uh, well, January or or Remington, I'd be fine with seeing either of them again. Uh, even if they do a well, if Barry Allen survives, um, if they do a part two of this where it's another Bond uh, infused episode, uh, and and they you know they they really you know get into it even more, that might be kind of entertaining as well. So I'll give it. I I bumped it up a full point. Well, actually, whatever the hell I bumped it up. It's a nine from me. Let's hear it for peer pressure. And join us next time for a bring, bring. Oh, sorry, I forgot to turn off my phone just a sec. Bring, bring. Hi, Brittany. Oh, what? You you want to you archive this in the Flash Museum? I guess we can do that. Okay, so uh, you can't prove that Brittany didn't just call me to uh, also archive this in the Flash Museum. Uh, so join us next time oh, for a brand Brittany new Brittany has bring, bring. your... Oh. Bring, bring. Oh, it's Dimitri. Uh, hi, Dimitri. Yeah, yeah. No, you're just you just missed the pie. Oh, you want to archive it? Well, I guess uh, that's three archives uh, uh, on my side. Join us next time for they a brand new installment. They both have your personal cell number, and I don't. Uh, well, you know, what an awkward way for you to find out. Uh, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Citizen. Bring, bring. Don't tell Jeff. Okay, sorry. Uh, once again, here's our announcer. To tell you how now you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Central City Citizen. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe dot com slash poppy chula radio are you interested in joining the poppy chula radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor email talent at poppy radio.com binge listen to your favorite poppy chula radio programs by visiting poppy radio.com slash archives you can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through apple podcasts and google play just search for the central city citizen and subscribe Thanks, announcer co-host. Please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, listeners. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along with me on social media, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night. <laughs>